I had a dear friend, his name was uh, Pastor Dan Cummings, and, and Dan uh, got cancer, and uh, he died of cancer, but before he did, he, he wrote his thoughts every day on a blog. One day, this is what he wrote shortly before he went to be the Lord. He said, as I get older, I would rather listen to God than talk I would rather listen to him than study him. He is no academic subject to be mastered. He's a person to be loved. And then Dan wrote this. He said, all theology should end in doxology. Studying about God ought to stir up our hearts to worship God. You know that we're in a series of messages, the unseen world, angels, demons, God, and you. It's... it's, going to sound like more like theology today. Um, specifics about angels next week, specifics about demons, but not just to fill our heads with knowledge so that like, we can know more than others. There's no help in that. But so that would move us to love the Lord, to adore Him, that would move us to worship Him, because theology should end in, in doxology and thanksgiving and praise and adoration and love for the lord so let's uh do some systematic theology today angelology so our hearts will be warm to worship him fueled to worship him like the angels do so here's how we're going to do this um time allowing a dozen questions and answers about angels and i know what you're doing right now and you shouldn't be betting in church you shouldn't be betting i can do 12 points 12 questions and answers about angels. I was watching this week a YouTube video, and the YouTube video was a, was a well-known evangelical pastor and leaders from other faith groups uh, throughout the world, and it was Larry King. And Larry King has a way of driving, you know, to the heart of questions and asking probing questions. And so we'd ask questions of these religious leaders. And here's what I noticed, that the evangelical pastor would say, well, he would answer every question with this little thing first. Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this. According to the Bible, the Bible says this. He would never answer any question without saying, this is what the Bible says. And some of the other fellows, they didn't refer to their whole, or women, men or women, didn't necessarily refer to their sacred writings, although they were informed by them to some degree, I'm sure, but it sounded a lot like, well, I'll tell you what I think about this, or it would seem to me, or the way we feel about this, or what we teach about this is, we don't want opinions and guesswork about what God has spoken about. We just want to open our Bibles and say, well, what did God say about angels? So that's what we want to do now. Number one, where did angels come from? Well, angels were created by God. Colossians 1, 16 says, for him, this is by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, everything, all things, were created through him and for him. So who created the angels? God created the angels. John 1, that was Colossians 1. John 1 also says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This is a reference to Jesus, right? And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So Jesus made everything, so Jesus made angels. The scriptures say there, without him, nothing was made that was made. All the created things were made by God, by Jesus. He created the angels. Paul wrote 
in 1 Timothy 6, 16, he alone, God alone, possesses immortality. So God had no beginning, but the angels are created beings, so they had a beginning. They were created by God. I'm already at point number two. You don't have to applaud. Just take good notes. Number two, when were the angels created? Job 38 says something interesting. It says that the angels sang at the foundation of the world. So we know that the angels were created before the world began. Psalm 148, 2 and 5 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created. Angels were created by God, and they're created to see creation. Exodus 2011 says, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. So I believe the angels were created on the first day of creation, after the heavens were created, before the earth was created, obviously there before the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Think for a minute about the marvel of God's creation, just his physical, the physical universe that you and I see. Think how beautiful, how, how magnificent the physical creation is. Have you enjoyed the turning of the seasons? Wasn't it wonderful? The furnace is going to have to kick on soon. Snow is coming within a few weeks. Don't you just love it? You're Michigan people. The Michigan people are supposed to be tough like that. To see the creation, that way that God made it, the physical creation, like nature, is just something about that. If you're wired right, it stirs your heart to worship him. Imagine if we could see the invisible creation of God, the angels, uh, the angel host. Well, three, number three, are angels glorified human beings? Are angels, you become an angel someday. Everybody, every once in a while, somebody says, I married an angel. That's just weird. Anyway, angels are not, <laughs> angels are not glorified. If that gets you banana bread, I mean, work it. But that's not what the Bible says, right? <laughs> angels are not glorified humans. Angels are created as angels, and angels will always be angels. Humans are created human, and they will always be human. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23 lists the inhabitants, heaven's inhabitants. And it lists myriads of angels separate from the spirits of just men made perfect. That's that beautiful passage. We read it last week in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. The description in, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Angels and humans are distinct beings. So angels don't, humans don't become angels. Believing humans will one day judge angels. So when somebody dies, it's not biblical to say they became an angel. The scriptures don't teach that at all. Number four. Number four. How many angels are there? That's a good question, right? The scriptures teach there are an innumerable host of angels, millions upon millions at least. At creation, their number was fixed for all eternity. Angels never die. They don't reproduce. The angels are called the host of heaven. Some would suggest they're as many as the stars. But their number played in scripture they're referred to as myriads of angel or myriads of myriads. That would be multiples of 10,000. So lots and lots, millions. Uh, Psalm 68, 17 says the chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands, chariots being one of the euphemisms for angels. Daniel 7, 10 says thousands upon thousands are attending him and myriads upon myriads are standing before him. Doesn't that just stir your heart to read stuff like that? Revelation 5.11, if you 
when you, this is systematic theology, when you kind of cherry pick passages and you go through, the way the theology, of the teaching of God is arranged in the Bible is, in, is embedded in stories. You, you want to read it that way. It is a powerful way of stirring your heart and stirring up worship. And when, you, when you find these things, when you find them embedded in the stories where they are, you want to take your Bible some Sunday afternoon, open to Revelation and just read. You don't have to understand it all at first. Just, just read it. The things that you do understand are enough to change your life transform you revelation 5 11 says i looked behold i heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them myriads of myriads thousands of thousands remember christ in in uh, matthew 25 he indicated he could beckon uh legions of angels remember 12 legions of angels, 72 thousand angels just if he if he wanted to there are millions of angels this is uh does this stir your heart does this stir up your heart? Does this uh, make your heart beat fast a little bit? Does, does this theology move you to doxology? I had a, a teacher who was uh, one of my favorite teachers at Moody, uh, whose name is Dr. Uh, Bill Thrasher, and I loved his classes. They were full of content, information. You went to his classes, you learned, but, you, but his classes were like revival. When you went to his class, you could not get out without your heart being moved for God. I think information about God ought to move our hearts. I think we ought to let our hearts get open to when we learn about God. So one of my sons, I said to him, I got permission to take him to Moody to a graduate class that I was taking. And I said, how would you like to stay with me for the week? And he was a potential student, so I thought maybe they would allow him to do that. And they did. And without telling him anything about it, I said, why don't you go in and, and go into Dr. Thrasher's class? And why don't you just sit in Dr. Thrasher's class? And then when you're done, uh, tell me what you think. It was so sweet because he went into Dr. Thrasher's class and he came out and, he, and, he was, and there were tears on his face. And he said, it was like a revival. It was like a revival. Now, this is the way we ought to approach truth about God. Truth about God ought to stir our hearts. That there are millions and millions of angels that are such powerful beings that grown men live in fear of them. This ought to help us to realize that God who makes millions of awesome creatures must himself be awesome. Something happens when we realize how awesome God is. I'm on number five. Can angels sin? Well, they were created holy, but they have volition. In other words, they have will. There are elect angels, they do not sin, and there are fallen angels, as you know, who will not be redeemed. We'll talk more about them next week. God created all angels holy. They're called sons of God. Scriptures teach that some angels are still holy and will still be holy at the coming of Christ. Some angels are called his chosen angels or his elect angels, 1 Timothy 5, 21. So because of this, most Bible scholars assume that they're fixed then in their confirmed in their holiness and it will be no longer possible for them to sin and the reason they believe this is because there will be millions of holy angels there in the end number six how powerful are they angels have great abilities they have supernatural abilities but they are finite creatures they're limited in knowledge and power think about this they're not omnipresent as god is omnipresent but they travel real fast they travel swiftly. They have supernatural swiftness in their travel, even between earth and heaven. Though they're not omnipresent, they move really fast. They're not omniscient, but they do have long, long lives and access to God and access to special knowledge. So they're very knowledgeable, very powerfully knowledgeable. They need time to travel, but 
in the, in the scriptures, Gabriel was sent with a message, but he was, was hindered. So we know that he was not unlimited in his strength. So angels are not omnipresent, but they move really fast. And they're not omniscient, but they know a lot. So according to scripture, angels learn by observation. This is interesting. They learn about things. They're interested in things in heaven and on earth. They care about stuff they ought to care about. And they care a lot. I said this before, but I wasn't a good student. I know that's a shock to some of you. I wasn't that great of a student. I was kind of distracted all the time. So I never really knew for sure what to take notes on. So I would always watch the smart girls in the class. And when their pencil moved, my pencil moved. Get it? Remember that? So watch the smart people and write down what the smart people write down. This is what we ought to think. We're excited about cross-stitch, coon hunting, football. We're excited about Pinterest. Angels are excited about the, the, the redemptive program of God that's sweeping the earth and it's supernatural and in its, its stake. That's what they're excited about. We might think about being excited about what we're going to be excited about when the end comes and we have our full capacity to see what we ought to be excited about. Angels desire you know, to look into the things of God. To, this is uh, if Hebrew, I'm sorry, this is Ephesians 3.10 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers, those are names for angels, ranks of angels probably, in the heavenly places. Um, here's another one, 1 Timothy 3, 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of God, and this God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed in the world, received in the glory. 1 Timothy 5.21, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and before the elect angels that you observe these things. It just keeps mentioning that the angels see that they desire to look into the things. They desire knowledge and understanding. 1 Peter 1.12, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering in the things which they have now reported to you. Though, though These things have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit from heaven, these are things which the angels desired to look into. So angels, you remember this, right? What happens when a sinner repents among the angels? The angels rejoice. They understand something. I, I've been in the hospital. I'm feeling quite well myself, but I've been in the hospital a lot this week. And we want to pray for uh, Tony Pannoni's in a the hospital. They're pretty seriously sick right now. I went to U of M special surgery last night. He really needs our prayers. Please pray for him. Others have been in the hospital, in and out of the hospital this week. And so I've been in the hospital a lot, and something happens in the hospital, and every time it happens, it makes me cry. You want to know what it is? They play a lullaby when a baby is born in the hospital. Every time that happens, I just stop and I go, <gasps> somebody just came into the world. Some mama's going, oh, thank God that's over. Some dad's going, I can't believe I did that. I'm a dad. Some grandma is praising God. We have the good sense when a baby comes into the world to go, that's a good thing. The angels know when a sinner repents, comes into the family of God, there's a party in heaven. The angels know to rejoice. That's what they love. That's the score they're keeping angels in heaven that's so beautiful isn't it so they're not omnipresent but they move really fast and they're not omniscient but they know a lot and they're not omnipotent but they're really strong 
Daniel 10 and 13, Revelation 12, 7 are mentions of powerful supernatural conflicts in which angels are very, very powerful. So just think about this. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but one of the things angels do is they help the saints. They minister to the saints. Somebody say, that's me. Go on, say it. Say, pretend you're charismatic for 10 seconds and say, that's me. Say it, go on. That's me. You're a saint if you know the Lord. And you have angels that minister to you. I heard a guy say this this week, and I thought, oh, I'm so going to steal that. He said, do you have a guardian angel? And this pastor said, I like to think it's not man-to-man, but it's zone. God plays zone. So he does. What the Bible says. Isn't that funny? I that's pretty good. Zone. So it's zone. In other words, you have zones of myriads of millions of angels, and they have totally got you covered, right? And they're powerful. So God, who is powerful, has his powerful holy angels that do whatever he wants. They spend a lot of time worshiping him, but he can dispatch them to earth to do things that are a mystery to us. You believe that? That's what the Bible says. Everything else is speculation. We know what the Bible says. Does that stir you up? Does that get you excited? Are you just excited about Big Ten football? Does that get you excited? Are you just excited about the next lawn tractor you're going to buy? You get excited. I mean, think about that. Does it move you to tears? Does it make you laugh? Does it make you cry? Does it make your heart beat fast? This is satisfying. One thing I've noticed, I love Big Ten football. Can I get a witness on this? Anybody else? You're afraid to answer. I get it. You know, I'm setting you up. I love Big Ten football. Big Ten football entertains me, but it doesn't sanctify me. Big Ten football really entertains me, but it doesn't satisfy me. There's always got to be another big game, and my team is always eventually going to lose, right? Like, you say, who's your team? I don't tell. <laughs> Everybody pays my salary. I must be very careful How about these things. <laughs> I like Big Ten football, but it doesn't strengthen me. It doesn't satisfy me. It doesn't sanctify me. But worship strengthens me, and worship satisfies me. Think about that. And worship sanctifies me. If you adore God who made the holy angels, it's going to make you a better person. If you worship God who made the holy angels, it's going to make you a stronger person. If you worship the God who made the holy angels, you're going to have a satisfaction satisfaction in your heart that nothing in this world can possibly ever do for you. That would be a reason to move from theology to doxology. In the old Anglican book of common prayer, there's a prayer. I love it. It says this, you are God. We praise you. You are the Lord. We acclaim you. You are the eternal father. All of creation worships you. To you, all the angels, all the powers of heaven, cherubim and seraphim, sing in endless praise. Holy, holy, Lord God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. The glorious company of the apostles praise you. The noble fellowship of prophets praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. Throughout the world, the holy church acclaims you, Father of majesty unbounded, your true and only Son, worthy of all worship, and the Holy Spirit, advocate and guide. To you, all angels and powers of heaven, give praise. Who wrote that stuff? Hmm. Number seven of 12. Um, Are angels greater and more powerful than men? This is interesting. They have superhuman powers. They're mighty. The Bible says, bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength, do his word, heeding the voice of his word. That's Psalm 103, verse 20. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against before the Lord. That's a passage in 2 Peter. They're simply stated, we're 
we're saying angels are very, very powerful. The Hebrews 2 and 7 teach that, that humanity is made a little lower than the angels. That's also in Psalm 8, a little lower than the angels. But interestingly enough, it's for now, it's for this time. Angels destroyed Sodom. Angel, an angel killed 185 Assyrians. The scriptures imply a single angel killed 70,000. There, there, there are examples in the Bible of the power of angels. Let's just say it that way. And they're mentioned in Revelation more than any other book as very powerful beings doing God's bidding in the end time. They have power over winds and fire and the very sun. They assist in destroying the Antichrist in Armageddon. But in the future, the Bible says, this is a fun part, exalted human believers will be superior to the angels. Something to think about. Number eight, who's in charge of the angels? This is a fun one. Jesus is the king of the angels. Jesus is the king of the angels. The angels are subject to God's authority. Christ is superior to the angels. That's the key point of Hebrews chapter 1. If you read it, according to Ephesians 1, Christ is above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. That's the point of how powerful Jesus is in Ephesians chapter 1, that he is more powerful than all of the powerful, frightening, holy, and, and demonic uh, angels or beings. But they're subject to him. First Peter 3 says that. So Jesus is the king of the angels. And here's my little tip of the day for your music. Go home, get on YouTube, watch Fernando Ortega's song, Jesus, King of Angels. If you have trouble going to sleep at night, if you have, you have a kid who has night terrors, put on that song, Jesus, King of Angels. I know some of you know that. Christ is in charge of the angels. Kind of question. Does that stir your heart? When you think that Jesus who adores you has millions of adoring angels that he can send to do his bidding in a mysterious way we don't even understand. You see, that's why we pray. There's an unseen world with millions of powerful beings. You have a problem? Did you come to church with a problem today? If I said to you, what's your problem? If you knew me really well and you could trust me, and I said, what's your problem? When you got done talking, well, I could say, you know what? Jesus is the king of the angels, and his angels are powerful, and he is powerful, and he loves you, and he can help you, and he can deliver you and he can change you, and he can transform you, and you can trust him. He's the king of the angels. Anybody getting stirred up yet? Anybody ready to worship? Anybody want to get down? If I could still get down on my knees, I might do that. I can still lift my hands. Does that stir your heart? Remember Jacob? He, he was kind of, uh, he seemed to be unaware of the unseen world that night when he put his head on the pillow that was a rock. Remember that? And then the, the, the dream, and what was in the dream? Angels. Angels were in the dream. And then Jacob woke up and he goes, this is the house of God. Uh, surely the presence of the Lord is here. And I didn't know it. God is at work all around me. And I didn't know it. You need a Jacob experience. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the things that we can see that are so discouraging that we haven't opened our heart to see what we can see, the invisible power of God all around us. And if we did, we would say, oh, this is the house of God. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. We need that. He said, how awesome is this place? It's the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. And his head was on a rock. Number nine, what do angels look like? They're spiritual beings who sometimes appear in physical form. Angels are spiritual beings. Their home is heaven, but they travel to earth and they sometimes appear in physical or human form. In Genesis 18, remember that story? They appeared as men. This is common. Don't forget to entertain 
strangers by doing so some have unwittingly entertained angels it says in hebrews 13 keep the soup on i like that soup for the soul good idea um i i'm always distracted sorry about that i was talking about the announcements right there i, I lost some of you yeah uh, the ladies are having a thing called soup for the soul that's what i was referring to and so you always <laughs> you always want to keep the soup on because there might be an angel coming your way. It's pretty sad when I have to explain my explanations, isn't it? On earth, on earth, angels normally appear in male human form. In heaven, they're described in remarkable cosmic ways, right? They don't regularly appear on earth with wings. They, appear, they, they normally appear on earth as scary kind of military men, if you will. And in, 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 you've heard of apocalyptic apocalyptic sounds like science fiction but what it means is unveiling it's revealing what's hidden and in the unveiling literature of the bible the revealing literature of the bible the apocalyptic literature of the bible the bible lifts the veil on the unseen world and uses symbols to do so and in that you see powerful angels number 10 who are michael and gabriel two angels named in the bible michael and gabriel it implied that angels are given rank and organization um, Daniel 10 13 refers to a fallen angel as the prince of the kingdom of Persia the angel Gabriel is mentioned four times in scripture he's called the mighty one of God mentioned twice in Daniel twice in Luke interpreted visions for Daniel announced the birth of Jesus number 11 do angels have have names well we already mentioned that the named angels given in the Bible but the, there are other names given for angels like messengers ministering spirits heavenly host watchers they observe uh, and supervise civil government, which is really good, right? Somebody needs to do that. Angels are sometimes referred to as sons of God, sometimes referred to as stars. There are cherubim, there are seraphim. The cherubim are, are referred to 90 times, uh, 90 references to cherubim in the Old Testament. They're assigned to guard Eden with flaming swords in Genesis 3. Images of the cherubim are embroidered on the tapestries of the tabernacle. Golden cherubim were built into the Ark of the Covenant. The chest-like implement of worship uh, included in the tabernacle later in the temple. Cherubim are described in Ezekiel 10. In verse 5, a description of the sound of the wings of the cherubim. Listen to this. The wings of the cherubim, the sound of the wings the cherubim make was like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. This beggars the imagination. They, they indicate the presence of God. They have a special regard for his holiness. And there are the seraphim mentioned only in Isaiah 6 meaning burning fiery ones um, they're only named twice there in the bible both times in isaiah 6 uh, more on that later number 12 you lost your bet number 12 what this is a long point though what do angels do angels serve god and they worship god they do what god wants them to do and they worship him which by the way is a really good idea just do what god says and worship him and things are going to be better yeah they protect believers. Can I get an amen on that? The angel of the Lord encamps about, around about those who fear him, and he delivers them. Psalm 34, 7. He will give his angels charge over you and keep you in all of your ways. In your hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Psalm 91. Take heed you don't despise one of these little ones. I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 18. They're not, are they not all ministering spirits? Hebrews 1 says, sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation angels help us how i do not know in a mysterious work of god they do 
This is something I love and trust. They assist in answering prayer. In Daniel 9.23, you have that beautiful example there um, in Daniel 9.23 of assistance in answering prayer. They escorted the souls of believers. They have it in Lazarus' uh, case. They were involved in the affairs of civil government. Uh, Daniel 10 talks about that, Prince of Persia and all of that. Angels will be involved in the rapture. The Lord himself will descend with a shout, the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. When Jesus comes back, the angels are involved, big time. They'll return with Jesus, and they will participate in the second coming. He returns with all his holy angels. Imagine that. And one day, the angels will be judged by humans, the Bible says. There's so much more. Does this move you? Does this stir your heart? Does this make your heart beat fast? Is this something that you care about? You should learn to care about stuff like this. This should move you. This should stir you. This should motivate holiness. This should move you to intimacy and love. This is the kind of thing you ought to learn to really care about more than any other thing. In Isaiah's vision of God, for instance, Isaiah had some problems. He was probably discouraged. King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was a great king. And Judah was looking to King Uzziah because he was a great king. And now King Uzziah died. Their king has died. Their good king has died. So they're probably discouraged. They're probably afraid. So they get a vision of heaven in Isaiah 6. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, that's when I saw the Lord and he was sitting on a throne and he was high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And the one called to the other and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Your king died. This one is still alive. That's the vision that we need. So Isaiah had, he was probably a holy man, probably a good man, probably a prophet, probably the best of the best. But the moment that he saw the holiness of God attended by the holy angels, he said, oh God, forgive me for I have an unclean mouth. Christians, when we get a vision of God, maybe that would clean up our language. When we get a vision of God, maybe that would clean up our thought life. When we really see the holiness of God, maybe there would be a new holiness among God's people. That's why the theology of angels should move us to the worship of God. That's the way it ought to be. In 1993, I was a younger pastor, and I had a book called The Supremacy of God in Preaching, and I took it to my study in the uh, Garrett study in the upstairs of our farmhouse, and I started to read, and I couldn't put it down until I was done. Pastors are bombarded with techniques and tips. Here's how you need to be relevant. This is the kind of coffee you need to serve so sinners will repent. You know, stuff like that. No, your music won't work that way. Your music's got to be this way. But that book said people are hungry for the holiness of God, and they need to be told God is, and God is holy every week. That's what they need. It doesn't matter what flavor coffee you serve. What matters is people always have and they always will for long for the holiness of God. And in preaching, when you exalt God, when people see God, then their deepest needs are met. You see, that's why theology moves us to doxology because something powerful happens when we study God and when we see God. Miracles, transformational miracles happen when we learn to adore God. Remember the song, Immortal, Invisible God, Only Wise, in Light, Inaccessible, Hid from Our Eyes? There's a version of that from which I got the prayer. I'm going to challenge you to pray. The last verse says, Great Father of glory, pure Father of light, thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. 
And that's what the, sprung into my heart when I thought of this message. What, what prayer should we tell God's people to pray this week? And that is this, help me to adore you like your angels adore you. Think of these powerful beings, these powerful, wise, spiritual, holy beings that have lived for centuries in the presence of God, knowing he's real and praising him and doing his business. They, when they're around him, never tire of worshiping him. They adore him. Your angels adore you. Your people should adore you. God help me adore you like your angels adore you. If these mighty, powerful, awesome angels never tire of adoring God, how eternally adorable must he be? I've been yelling a lot today, haven't I? This is the prayer that I hope you pray this week. Lord, help me adore you like your angels adore me. Teach me to adore you more than any other thing. Because when our hearts adore him, that's when heaven comes to earth. The angels know that adoring him strengthens us. The angels know that adoring him satisfies us. And the angels know that adoring him sanctifies us. Strengthening, satisfying, sanctifying effect. Why not adore him like the angels do? Some dude one time said to me, said about me to somebody else, he talks about God in a kind of lovey-dovey, effeminate ways. He acts, he's, the way he talks about God just sounds effeminate. This guy said he thought he was really tough. I would, someday he's going to meet all the holy angels. He won't be able to control his bladder then. This tough guy that when he meets all the holy angels will, will cower in fear and fall before, not God, just the powerful holy angels. There's a movement called Promise Keepers years ago. Remember that? Somebody said men are gathering in stadiums and it's God is at work in this thing. And men are singing and weeping and repenting and getting saved and lifting their hands to God. There's a movement of worship in this thing. Somebody invited me. I'll pay your way. Please come with me. I went. My brother-in-law, Bob Dunbar, we got on a bus with a bunch of other guys. My son, Kyle, was with me. We went to Promise Keepers up in Minneapolis. Tens of thousands of guys worshiping God, singing, praying, praising, weeping, repenting, getting saved. Kind of good stuff. We went to the hotel that night, and we all were tired and spent, and we quietly, we all went to sleep, and we got up early the next morning to go back to the next session. We went to a donut shop and grabbed some donuts before we got there. And I was standing in the donut shop and looked out, that's back when there were pay phones. There's this guy out there by the, near the pay phone. And he was with our group and he was smoking. And he was standing out there all, all alone. And I thought, well, somebody I'll go out there and hang out with him. So I went out there to stand with him. And I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing great. I go, you go to church with these guys? He goes, no, I, I don't go to church at all. I go, really? I said, well, how, how come you came to this? He goes, well, my wife goes to that church, and she kept bugging me, and she bought a ticket, and she said, I ought to go, so I, so I came. I said, really? He said, yep. I said, how do you like it? He goes, how do I like it? Did you see me go forward last night? I'm like, no, I didn't see that. He goes, yeah, I, I went forward last night. I go, why did you go forward? He goes, I decided to follow Jesus. So I go, you did, really? He goes, yes. I go, you did? He goes, yes. So, what did your wife say? He said, I haven't told her yet. I want to see her face when I tell her. 
I sat next to that guy that day. And as we sang and wept and lifted our hands in praise, uninhibited, guys were bowing down. Guys were on their face. Guys were lifting their hands. Guys were weeping. We were all weeping. A whole row of us were just weeping. I look at this guy. He looks at me. He's sobbing like a baby. And he goes, we're going to be out of body fluid soon. <laughs> my son, Kyle, he went off one day. He, he went off to another church. He went off to live with my brother-in-law for a while. He went to another church. At the time, I was kind of nervous about the modern music. And so I was kind of concerned about whether that would be a bad influence. on This church had this modern music, you know. And so I, I called him after the service, after, the, after a few weeks he'd been going to that service. I called him on the phone, and I said to him, I said, hey, Kyle, I said, um, so what do you think of that church? I mean, you think it's a good church? You think the people are sincere? You think they really know the Lord? What, what do you think? He goes, I don't know. He goes, I, I, I did notice one thing that was interesting. He said, the youth group, they all went down the set toward the front, and when they sang, some of them got on their knees. I'm like, huh. I haven't seen that in my church lately. My daughter bought gas one day. A Muslim boy waited on her, and he wanted to get to know her, so he came to our, our church. So the Muslim boy came to our church, and he observed our church for a while. And then he said to her, I, it's interesting to watch your church. Now, when do your people kneel down? I never saw them kneel down. When do your people, when do they kneel down? That's the kind of a question I want to ask you. Oh, you have to kneel down in front of everybody here. I get that. Some of us, it's physically hard to kneel down. But can I ask you, when when do you kneel down? When are you going to adore him like the angels adore him? What would happen if you said, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, pass me not. Lord, help me adore you like your angels adore you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, now, We're going to lead the people whom we have taught and exhorted today in the singing of a worship song. And I pray in our own own hearts that you would receive from us worship that's genuine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.